Good morning. Welcome to Flat Springs Baptist Church. It's so good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to say a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we do have visitor's cards in the pew right in front of you if you'd like to take one and fill it out. You just drop it in the offering plate as it comes by. Uh, the beautiful flowers that are placed on the altar table this morning are in memory of sisters Gail Smith Bridges and Pat Smith Bridges upon the week of their birthdays by a family that misses them every day. And they are beautiful. We have two new reasons to celebrate today. Owen Michael Haywood was born on Saturday, September the 14th to Challen and Caitlin Haywood. Proud grandparents are Roger and Dana Worrell, as well as big sister Addie. And then Hunter Lee McFarland was born on Tuesday, September 17th to Daniel and Kayla McFarland. Proud grandparents are Richard and Debbie McFarland and great-grandparent Bob Koval, and even prouder big sisters are Allie and Aubrey. Today is the last Sunday. We will be collecting an offering for the Sandy Creek Baptist Association. You'll notice the blue envelopes on either side of me up here. Uh, if you'd like to participate, you can use one of these envelopes and put your offering in there. Um, if you're interested in participating in the homegrown Bible study that starts on October the 1st and you would like to get your book, I Need Your Money Today. Uh, it is $14 for a book and I need to order those so that you can get them in time for this study. And also I just want to point out that this study is recommended for parents of kids of parents that have kids that are elementary aged. Um, that's what this study is geared for, and that's who it will help benefit the most, just so that you know. I would like to remind those on the Children's Committee that we'll be meeting in the youth room immediately following worship today. So if you are on Children's Committee, please do not forget we do have that meeting immediately following worship in the youth room. Uh, as always, I would ask that you take a look in the atrium for all the different ways that you can get involved with the many things that our church is up to. And at this time, I'd invite Linda Wilson to come on up, and she's going to share a little bit with us about e-giving. All right. I have a question. Raise your hand if you know how to text. If you know how to text, raise, raise it high, be proud of it. All right. All right. Some of you older people raise it. I know you text. <laughs> if you text and you know how to text, then you know how to give by e-giving, and it's really, really easy. Carol gave out um, these little cards, I don't know, several Sundays ago that gave instructions uh, on how to do it, and I was a little hesitant to do it because, you know, I used to be really computer literate, but in the years that I have retired, I have become less computer literate. But I do text, and it is so easy. And so I'm here just to tell you that it is so easy. Um, all you got to do is type in the line, uh, the two line. You type in numbers, 73256. I thought that was weird, but that's what you do, 73256. And then in the message space, you type flat springs with no space in it, like it's one word, 
and then you put the dollar amount, like a dollar ten or a dollar a hundred or whatever it is, a thousand. That'd be nice. Uh, the system responds. They send you a response, giving you a link that you click on. You click on that link, and this is all safe. You don't have to worry about being hacked. You click on that link, and as soon as you click on that link, it'll give you the opportunity to push give. It's just confirming that that's really what you want to do. If you want, it gives you a, a chance to change the amount. If you want to change the amount, and you just click on give, and that's all you do. And then it sends you a receipt through text. It is so simple. I, I just couldn't believe how simple it was. And I love it because there's no envelopes to fill out. You don't have to write checks. You just text like I do every day. Uh, if I'm on vacation, uh, if I'm camping, uh, if I'm gone to see my children, all three of my children live out of town somewhere, uh, I can still give to the Lord's work. And I love it. I love doing, uh, doing it by text. Um, if you got any questions on how to do it, just ask Carol Smith or text her. She'll be glad to help you. There's two other ways you can do it, and I've not tried those, but I'm sure they're probably just as easy as according to the instructions here. Uh, one is doing it online at the website. You can go in the website and do it. And there's also an app called Realm, on Realm Connect. It's called Realm Connect. But I did notice that on that, when I went into the app, I did that one time. I didn't actually give I was just checking it out and it had several realm connects on there so you have to make sure you get the right one one that says realm connect uh, there's some others on there that are different apps but anyway there's three ways to give texting is easy that's the only one I'm here to witness to and if you're not a young chick like everybody that read Sanford Herald this week on the front page you know I'm 70 and I'm proud of it <laughs> But I can do it, and you can too. Do it too. Thank you so much, Miss Linda. Uh, I do have two prayer concerns to share with you all this morning. Uh, we want to be praying for Diane Moore, who had a Mohs procedure this past week and is recuperating, and then also Rick Bridges, who had a heart ablation this past Friday, um, and he is at home recuperating as well. Would you go to God in prayer with me? Gracious and loving God, we thank you so much for allowing us to gather in your house of worship this morning, God. God, we thank you for all the many blessings that you have given to us this week and for all the many ways that we have enjoyed them. God, I pray that you be with us now and that you help us to focus only on you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you'll take your insert out of your bulletin, the choir is going to sing... Uh, this, these two songs and then I'll turn around and we'll uh, invite you to stand and join with us.
join with us.
Good morning. Gracious, I'm gone for one week and y'all forget how to say good morning. Can we try that again? Good morning. Good morning. Uh-oh. Drop your paper. All right. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, today Pastor Gary is going to be talking about my favorite Bible verse in the Bible. And it comes from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, and it says this. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love mercy or kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. A man named Micah lived a long time ago, hundreds of years even before Jesus was born. Micah was one of the great prophets of Israel. A prophet is a person who loves God and sees clearly the times when the people do not follow God. Sometimes a prophet must warn the people to stop what they're doing. Sometimes prophets help the people to understand God. This is what Micah was trying to do in this text. He was trying to help the people to understand what God wants them to do. First, God wants us to be just, to act justly. Does anyone know what that means? What does that mean? No idea? Okay. Being just, that it means being fair to everyone. Okay, can you hold on for just a second? Okay. Being just means being fair to everyone using the same rules. So I want to give you an example. How would you feel if you went to a friend's house and you're playing a game and your friend made up a rule that if he got 10 points, he won, but if you got 100 points, then you could win. So he only had to get 10, but you had to get 100. Would that seem very fair? No, it wouldn't. That would make you kind of angry, right? Because deep inside, you know that's not fair. It's not just. So the first thing God wants from us is to treat every person fairly. Do you think that's a good demand from God? I do, too. The second thing God wants from us is to love mercy. Anybody? Can anybody tell me what mercy is? What's mercy? Any ideas? Mercy is when we should... We show kindness or forgive someone even though they don't really deserve it. Yeah? Has there ever been a time when you received mercy or you gave mercy to someone else when they didn't really deserve it? Has that ever happened to you? No? Well, I tell you, it happened to me. When I was little, I was inside and I was in the house and I was throwing a ball inside. Me and my brother were throwing it back and forth. And my parents told us, they said, you do not play with balls in the house. Well, guess what happened? Miss Taylor broke a lamp because I threw that ball. My brother didn't catch it, and so it broke the lamp. And so my parents showed me mercy because they didn't get mad at me. They forgave me for breaking that lamp, and I actually didn't get punished either. But, so they showed me mercy in that moment, okay? All right. God always wants us to be looking for the kind thing to do, not just when someone is watching us, but always. God wants us to love doing kind things. The third thing and the last thing is to stay close to God by choosing to walk with Him. This means being in a relationship with Him, like talking to Him through prayer and reading His Word, our Bible. But it also says to be humble, meaning we have to remember that we are not God and we are not better than anyone else. 
Remember, you and I don't get to make the rules. We follow God's rules. We don't get to judge whom God loves or doesn't love. That's not our job. We don't get to decide who deserves help and who doesn't. God wants everyone to be treated kindly. So we've learned three things today, and I want you guys to say it with me. We need to act justly. Can you say act justly? Okay. We need to love mercy, and we need to walk humbly. Can you say that? Very good. Those are the three things that God requires from us and that he wants us to do and that we need to strive to do every single day. Okay? Would you say a prayer with me? God, I thank you so much for these boys and girls and for the fact that they're at church this morning. God, we just give you praise. God, I pray that you be with us and that you would help us to live out these three things that you have called us to do every single day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 23, verses, verse 23. How horrible it will be for you, expert in Moses' teachings and Pharisees. You hypocrites, you give God one-tenth of your mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These are the most important things in Moses' teaching. You should have done these things without neglecting the others. Good morning. Pray with me. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we have gathered in this place because we believe. We believe that you are our creator, the giver and the sustainer of our life. We believe you are eternal. We believe that you sent your Son, our Savior, to this earth, who lived a perfect life, who died for us, who rose again, and who taught us that if we would believe and confess we would live with you forever and we believe we shall we have come into this place because we have neighbors who are lost and undone who don't know you in the pardon and forgiveness of their sins who've never accepted you as their Lord and Savior and Lord Every day, that number grows. And so we've come today, oh God, into your presence, into your power, into your peace, that we might receive strength, that we might be challenged in the areas of our life where you need to challenge us, that we might be encouraged in the areas of our life where we may have become discouraged 
And that, oh God, in all of this, we would be seeking your face, listening for your voice, and following your will as you lay it out for us in your holy word. And so, God, as we have come to this place, we ask for your special presence, for your special word, for your special touch, for your special power to manifest itself in us. We want to ask God that in the holy name of Jesus Christ, that Satan be bound from this place, that the deceiver would have no strength and no power in this place. We ask, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh upon us, that you would touch us in such a way as we would know your power is in this place. And Lord, in the humbleness of our statue before you, we recognize you are our God. It is you who have made us and not we ourselves. We are the sheep of your pasture. And God, we listen for your voice. And so we say now, O oh God, speak, and we will listen. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, choir. What a powerful message, homeward bound. I want to say a word of thanks to those that went to Burgall. There were four that were coming, but uh, they underestimated our painting speed and skills. And uh, we finished the job they had faster than they thought, and we uh, actually had four, uh, Jimmy, Celise, Bobby, and Mary, who were, uh, Mary Lou, who were coming to help us. But um, when you're doing that kind of work, oftentimes it's dependent on something else taking place. And we just found a little niche there where the skill set that we had didn't line up exactly with the need they had. We'll go back some more, but I appreciate everyone who went and we had a wonderful uh, time together. We were able to, to work on three. We did paint one whole house inside. We uh, accomplished that and then we also were able to put uh, molding around a, a floor that had been installed and then we were also able to try to bring a house up to code by putting half of the rafters in that were needed to do that. So we did a lot in uh, a little over a day and a half, but appreciate everyone who was a part of that. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to two passages, just one verse in Proverbs 22. It's a verse you probably know by heart, at least part of it. And the second is Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Wonderful coupling of two ideas, the role of the family and the desire of God. Let me say that again. The role of the family. And when I talk about family, I certainly talk about the place that you stay at your house, that place. But I also consider this to be family. We refer to one another as brothers and sisters. We, we understand that we have a relationship that is beyond friendship. It never was intended to just be friends. It was always a call for us to live in a community of intimacy that probably the closest to it is that of family. And so as we look at that, we're going to tie then two different ideas about what God wants, he desires. That'll be in Micah. And then the, the role of the family, which is found in Proverbs 22.6. We'll read the Proverbs passage and then immediately turn over to Micah 6.8. I've hopefully stalled long enough for you to have them both marked in your Bible and your finger in one. And you're ready. If you would, I would invite you, if you're able, to stand as a way of honoring the reading of this portion of God's Word. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then Micah chapter 6, beginning with verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord? And bow myself before God on high. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? With ten thousands of rivers 
of oil. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, old man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us for a moment or two this morning? Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a life to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I grew up, we had a thing called training union. How many of you here remember training union? Eight of you, that's pretty good. Nine of you, okay, that's good. Think of those words, training and union. Training, you understand what training's about, right? And union, uniting how we train. As we think of family values, as we think of what are the things that we as, as a family, as church, a family, as individual family units, what should we value? Well, I'm going to suggest we must be trained, that training is important. How do we train the next generation? How many books on potty training do you think there might be? Who knew that was such an interesting read? There are hundreds, if not thousands of books. And just to give you a sample, Chris Togus wrote, Tinkle, Tinkle, Little Star, okay? I like the one that Julie Schooler, what a great name to be a trainer, right? The Easy Peasy Potty Training, the Busy Parents Guide to Toilet Training with Less Stress and Less Mess. Now that's a great subtitle, isn't it? Well, because we live in such a hurried time, we're grateful to Brandy Brooks for her book, Potty Training, in three days, the step-by-step -step uh, plan for a clean break from dirty diapers. I love these titles. These folks just, they shouldn't even write books. They should just write titles on subjects. Isn't that great? In three days. But Terry Crane thought, who can waste three days to do potty training? And so she wrote her book, Potty Train Your Child in Just One Day. I, did, I kept looking to see if there was a 10-minute plan, but I couldn't find that one. And then, of course, Diane Strafford and Jennifer Shokas wrote the book, Potty Training for Dummies. Now, I'm sure they're referring to the parents as the dummies. 
Why potty train? Is that important? What's wrong with that? Why do we want to impose our will on that child? Doesn't it sound ridiculous to train a child to use the bathroom? Well, if you've ever struggled with that, and in my family we've had some struggles with that, you know. There are expectations that we have. There's expectations that society have. How many of us all know that in lots of things there is that requirement? We also believe that it will help our child later in life. Can you imagine being in high school and not be potty trained? I just don't think that would work at a football game, I'm just saying. Think for a moment then spiritually. What's our job to train? What are the messes that we need to help our children with? And then you ask that question, is it just the parents? Can any parent decide whatever they want to decide and do whatever they want to do? Is it just the church? Can the church make all the decisions? I think when we take that passage, that wise saying that Solomon gives us in Proverbs to train up a child in the way that they should go, and when they reach the age of maturity, they won't depart from it. We know there are exceptions to that rule, but we also know that rule, that's a good rule. It holds up most of the time. I think that the teachers are us, you and I. Some of us have more specific assignments. If it is your children that you brought into this world that you gave birth to and they live in your house, you obviously have a greater responsibility because you'll have more time with them than I will or someone here at the church might. But church, we can never, we can never not understand it is our responsibility is all. And I love the call that the Bible gives us often is to model, to model for our children, to model for our children. You might argue that maybe one of the problems is we've been modeling the wrong stuff for our children. Maybe we need to look at what we're modeling. I love what Paul says when he's writing that that pastoral prison epistle to the church at Philippi, and he says to them as he's coming toward the conclusion of that book in in chapter 3, verse 17, He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. What's he saying? I'll model it for you. I'll live it out for you. I'll show you. I'll show you how to do it. I've discovered that when it comes to to doing construction I love to sit around and hear guys talking. They were, we were doing some of that uh, at, at the work site this weekend. Well, we're going to go and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. They just will be saying blah, 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 okay? Man, I just say, okay, that sounds good to me. Let's go. 
I just don't, I, my mind just, I don't know. Don't ask my wife, but there's things in my mind don't work like they should sometimes, okay? But when we get there, and I see the first cut, or I see where the board goes the first time, or I see the pattern, when I see it modeled out for me, I can get involved then. I can go. That's how most of us are in life. We need to see it modeled. I, I think sometimes we've given ourselves the excuse, well, we're not perfect. And we're not, and I understand that. But when Jesus said at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, he wanted to tell us, I'm calling you to be a model. I'm calling you to be an example. I'm calling you what your children need, what the community needs, what the world needs is to see us living out our faith. That's how we train. Well, how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. It brings me quickly to three points. Do, love, and walk. That's it. Do love and walk and by now you've already figured out it's not original with me it's right there in Micah chapter 6 verse 8 what does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness and to walk humbly with God there it is how do we do that to do what we do matters do justice. Have you ever told somebody, oh, that photo doesn't do you justice? You ever told anybody that? You know, you can use that two ways, can't you? That could be a compliment, but not necessarily, right? Do justice. You see, folks, in this day and time, God put in us a little bit of right and wrong. We call it a conscience. But you know what he replaces our conscience with, you and I who are believers? The Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it changes. We understand that there's a standard for right and wrong. Today, children, they need to be trained to do what's right. But they can get just a little off. I love the story about the little boy. You know, he was just five years old and he came running in and he said, Mama, Mama, I'm nine feet tall. She said, What? He said, Yes, I'm nine feet tall. She said, honey, what do you mean? He said, well, I took off my shoe that go on my feet and I laid them up against my leg and I could do it nine times till I got to the top. I'm nine feet tall. She had to teach him about a foot not being his foot, but being a 12-inch standard. You know what I think I see in our world today is that we're pulling off our shoes 
and we're measuring ourselves by our own standards. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul said, watch out for people who compare themselves to each other and come up with their own way. He said, they have little understanding. You see, we've decided so many different things in our children and when I use that word children, I want to tell you I could also include in that train up adults in the way that we should go. And as we continue to get older, we won't depart from it. We need to understand that that call is for us. In a time when the standard is being challenged, we need to, to do right by the standard. Even though the world wants to change the standard, and I understand why, we can't allow that to happen. Train your child up to do what God's Word says. Spend time with your child in God's Word. Do, do, you must be doing what needs to be done. Hard jobs can only get part of our attention. By now you know I... I have a love-hate relationship with Illy Agnes, okay? And if you don't know what Illy Agnes is, that's not a person, by the way. Illy Agnes is the shrub that grows beside my house between me and Cedar Lake Road. It almost cost me my finger. And still it grows every day. It grows all the time. You can hear it grow if you don't shut the door tightly at our house. It will pull you off the lawnmower if you're not careful when you ride too close to it. And the folks who live down Cedar Lake Road think I'm a much better neighbor when I keep it out of the road. If you'll go as you ride back by, you'll notice that 90% of that Illy Agnes was cut three weeks ago. And I've been trying to go back to finish cutting the rest of it ever since. I just hate it. It's not a fun job. It's got poison ivy all wrapped up in the back end of it. And I spray it badly with Roundup. But it needs to be done. I, I, I give you that little silly story simply to say, are there things you're putting off? Are there conversations with our children we're putting on? Are there examples that we know we need to break, we need to stop? There are things we're doing that we know are modeling for them some things we don't want them to grow up and to be like. And we're just putting it off like Illy Agnes because it's hateful and it's hard and it's got poison ivy all wrapped up in it. do it won't cut itself <laughs> I gotta get it cut do in your family it needs to be done it's not optional it has to be done do justice and then love kindness by the way kindness is not our human nature 
We have to learn it. There's a great story about a fellow named Keith Taylor who benefited from the generosity of others at different times. Once, when he was attending school in Tennessee, his car broke down, and, and being a poor student at that moment in his life, he, he didn't have any money to fix it, and somebody in his church fixed his car for him. Later, at another time in his life, he was working part-time while still a student, and some things happened, and he wasn't going to be able to pay his rent in full, and his boss got wind of it, and his boss paid his rent. One evening in 2002, Keith was reflecting, he remembers and tells his story, on the kindness of his boss and the church family and others. And like many American Christians, Keith decided that he would one day dedicate his life to helping others. And here's what he said. When I'm rich, I'm going to start an organization to help the working poor. Can I ask us, are there some when I's in your life? You know what I mean by when I's? When I get this, when I get this, when this happens, are there some when I's in your life? But then it occurred to him, he said, you know, the guys that helped me, they weren't rich. They didn't wait till they were rich to help me. Why should I? Keith decided he would try to help just one person through some financial crisis. He set aside $350 to get started. And he set up a very basic website and he invited requests for assistance. But when the site was featured by a popular blog, Keith's plans went out the window. He received 1,100 emails the next day. Most were from folks requesting assistance, but a surprising number wanted to help. A short time later, Keith incorporated a nonprofit organization called Modest Needs. You can Google it. The organization's first official grant saved a woman's life. She received money for a mammogram. They discovered a tumor, and it had been, uh, and saved her life, and his website has been gaining steam ever since. www.modestneeds.org. In 2009, with a $350 start, they gave away $2.5 million to help in modest needs. Every day it's another miracle, Keith says. One more exciting thing about modest needs is that they have tracked in almost 70% of the individuals who receive money end up donating money back to help. Folks who have small needs but small income. Generosity produces generosity. It sounds like a great way to show kindness, to love others, to love mercy. Our children need to see us love. They need to see us demonstrate. They need to see us do what God has called us to do.
to be good to others. And finally, this morning, our last part is really the culmination of those two, to walk humbly with our God. Somebody put on Facebook, and I looked a little bit later, I love the little catchy phrase. It says, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody, and it's nobody other than Jesus. Oh, if we could do that, folks, that'd be walking humbly with our God. When you recognize we're just a nobody. But we're after everybody to tell them about somebody who can change their world. And that is nobody except Jesus Christ. Walk with God every day. Walk with God in every way. Walk with God in all we say. But walk today. Walk today. Walk today. James Moore tells a story about a fellow who understood what it was to walk humbly with God. His name was George, and, and George was a peacemaker with a big heart and a wonderful sense of humor. And I love when you can combine those two things, a, a good sense of humor and a big heart. Everybody at his church loved George, and he was respected in the hospital where he worked. The reason why so many people loved him was because he was the same way to everybody. George's children clearly remember the days George spent in the hospital before his death. The administrator of the hospital paid him a visit. They spake as though they were old friends. A few minutes later, one of the janitors came by to visit with George, and they too had a nice visit. When the janitor of the hospital left, one of the children of George said, Dad, did you realize you treated the president of the hospital and the janitor just alike George smiled and he chuckled for a moment and he said well let me ask you something if the administrator left for two weeks and the janitor left for two weeks which one do you think we'd miss the most <laughs> then George called his children around his bed and he said let me show you something that I carry in my pocket all the time he told them that even when I mow the lawn, I don't think he had to cut any Illy Agnes, but I'm just saying. George pulled out two things, a pocket-sized cross and a marble with a golden rule inscribed upon it. And here's what he said. On the cross are written these words, God loves you. You may have one of those crosses. And on the marble are these words, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. The cross reminds me of how deeply God loves me and the marble reminds me of how deeply God wants me to love others. And so, I ask us today, what have we got in our pocket? What are we carrying around every day? Now, I'm not talking about a little cross or a little marble, although I think they could be marvelous. What are we carrying out in how we live our life that 
makes a difference. Well, I've been wearing for some time, I have it with me, a Fitbit. Anybody else here got a Fitbit? Come on, don't be ashamed. Some of y'all need to get one, I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. Well, the two Rogers and I, when we were at the golf course, we'll often, when we finish walking nine holes and we get back to the car, we compare our steps. And we'll say, well, I have 4,600. Now, if you've only got 4,600, you hit that ball really straight. I'm just saying. You didn't have a lot of wondering. Sometimes we get back to the car and we got 6,350. And we had a time on the golf course, okay? Well, this past week as we were getting ready for bed, I hadn't even noticed my Fitbit this past Friday after we'd been working. Now, I had spent the day with a roller in my hand. And I have a witness, Martha and my wife, okay? Because they had rollers in their hands too. And we painted that house. But I noticed my Fitbit. In fact, I texted the two Rogers when I got it. A good day for, I try to get 10,000 steps every day. That's what they say we ought to do. I don't know who they are. I don't know why they didn't say 7,000. That would have been a lot better for me. But they said 10,000, okay? So I try to do that every day. I try to get 10,000 steps. I looked at my Fitbit. I was expecting to hear a trumpet sound, okay? Listen to that. I'm glad y'all are sitting down. You know what it said? I got a picture of it if you don't believe it. I'm just saying. 25,059 steps. 11.3 miles, okay? You see him do this all day with a Fitbit? You're going to have some steps. That's all I'm saying. That's all. You ain't got to take a step. You just keep doing this, okay? And, and buddy, that thing, it counts them. But then I recognized something. You know, we had 14 ready to go to Burgall this weekend. Because the Lord says that's what we do. You want to you show your children? What it means to love the Lord, go on a mission trip. Find you one. Make you up one. But you go. You live it out in front of them. You show them. You know why we went? To do justice. And to show kindness. And to walk humbly with our God. Folks, didn't, I don't even know whose house I was in yesterday. I got cuts all over my hand. And I never saw the person. But that person knows believers in Jesus Christ were in their house putting up rafters that one day they can get back in their house because I want them back in their house. Why? That's right, isn't it? That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. A storm tore them up. It seems to me to be fair to get them back where they were. Back to my 25,039 steps. I had to walk up and down the hallway at First Baptist Church Burgall three times to get that thing. But it was going over. I saw 24,900. I said, no, no, no. We're going over 25,000 today. 
Because I never see that again, I don't think. But then I recognized we'd gone to Burgall for one reason, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And you know what I discovered? When you walk humbly with God, you go further than you've ever been before. You don't believe it? Look at my Fitbit. You go further than you've ever been before. What do our children need? What do our youth need? What do our young adults need? What do our senior citizens need? I'm glad you asked to do and to love and to walk. What does the Lord require of me? What does he require of you? Do justice. Love mercy, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, in this moment, where do we need to go? What do we need to do? How do we need to love? And where will you leave us that we can walk with you? May we respond to your invitation. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Our hymn of decision is page 345. This morning, if God is speaking to your heart, and you need to make a decision. The altar is open. God waits. And he will receive us when we come to him as we stand together. And now as we leave this place, may we do so in his peace and in his power and in his abiding presence.
that we might be his people who do justice, who love mercy, and walk humbly with him in the midst of all his people. Would you pray with me? God, go with us from here. Lead us. Put those people in our paths who need to see your love, and we'll show it to them, God. Remind us that we're going to do right even when nobody's looking because we do right not for the rule's sake but because we love you with all our heart, mind, and strength and our neighbor is ourself. So God, go with us. For the work is before us and it is plentiful and sometimes, Lord, it's hateful but always it is rewarding when we go with you. Take us further than we've ever been before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No.